Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 86 or on your screen. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, again, God's blessing on you and on your family on this precious, precious day, this Christmas day. And I pray that for all of us as a people, we will experience God's favor upon us as we go into a new year. This is the time of the year when we often hear voices um, criticizing, decrying, um, suggesting that we are missing the point. You know, when you hear the, the massive support for, for Black Friday, the billions of dollars spent on Cyber Monday. You hear people crying out that you're missing the point. This commercialism is shifting the focus 
We need to focus not on the things we hear. We need to focus on the reason for the season. And I have to agree that there is some truth to that critique. But I would also add that much of what we do at this time of the year, enjoying good food, giving gifts, receiving gifts, singing, worshiping, resting, savoring, I believe that these impulses come from Creator God. When was the last time you read Genesis 1 and 2? It doesn't get any more materialistic than that. When God made this material world, God said it was good. And I believe that at the heart of creation and at the heart of Christmas, it's not fantasy, it's not an illusion, it's reality. Christmas is about incarnation. And I think C.S. Lewis was right when he said that the greatest miracle of all time was not the atonement, as, as important as that is, it wasn't even the resurrection. The greatest miracle of all time was the incarnation. Imagine that. The almighty God of heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth, condescended to come on earth, born of a virgin, and then to sleep in a stable with animals. And if you can understand the word incarnation, you will understand why Christmas is very materialistic. The Apostles' Creed doesn't have the word incarnation. Nowhere in the Bible do you find the word incarnation. But we do find the teaching there, especially in the Apostles' Creed, where we say that, that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. I think today's text celebrates the physicality, the material reality of the teaching of Christmas and the purpose of Christmas. Let me quickly tell you about the teaching of Christmas because our text today makes the wildest and boldest claim in the world that God became human, that the visible, the invisible is now visible. And the word incarnation comes from a Latin word that means carne, flesh, meat. And so incarnation is the enfleshing of God. And many of you are reading the Gospels, and I say more power to you. And if you haven't read the Gospels in a while, we're starting up a new year, and I'm going to encourage you to read the four Gospels. Because when you read them, you'll notice that each Gospel presents a portrait of Jesus in a certain sequence. For example, Mark begins the story of Jesus where? He begins the story of Jesus with Jesus in the waters of baptism. Luke begins the story of Jesus where? Luke begins the story of Jesus at his nativity in a little town in Bethlehem. Matthew begins the story of Jesus and he does this genealogy thing that many of us wants to avoid, want to avoid reading. And he goes all the way back to Adam. But I give the prize to John. Because John begins the story of Jesus from a cosmic level. And out of this world perspective, in other words, John says Jesus is before the beginning of time. Jesus, as he's described, the Word 
is eternal. And in John, the story of Jesus does not begin with once upon a time. Instead, the story of Jesus begins as a specific moment in history, in a specific place, among a specific people that the living, eternal God came to live with us as one of us. And that is the great miracle of Christmas. And so for me, hopefully for you, Christianity is not a myth. Christianity is not a, a fairy tale. Christianity is rooted in history and biography and geography and genealogy. Christianity is concrete. Christianity engages all of our senses. And if you come to worship with us next week, the first Sunday of the new year, hopefully all of your senses will be engaged with sight and sound and taste and touch and smell. And you say, well, Pastor, why is this important? It's important because in our material world, you and I, and I will include myself, we commit two massive errors. One is we deny or we degrade the material world. Check out what's happening in the Amazon jungle. Check out what's happening in the oceans all over the world. We, we degrade the material world. That's one of the errors that we do. We degrade our own bodies. We degrade the unique worth of who we are. Or the other massive error that we commit is that we deify, we idolize, we elevate, and worship the creation instead of the creator. And I would say to you that when we deny or degrade the material world, we're saying that God is a liar. When God called the world good, when we deny the materiality and the goodness of what's around us, we're saying that God was lying. When we deny or we degrade the material world, we're saying that even if God created this world, and Pastor, I'll give you that, maybe God created this world, but God no longer is active, no, God no longer cares about the world and the people of the world. I have a book at home that I've been trying to finish now for the better part of a year, written by, by a couple of respected theologians, N.T. Wright, and um, the other author is skipping my mind, but what N.T. Wright is really good at he helps us to read the scriptures and hear the scriptures, not from our end, not from 21st century, but from the first century. And he makes the point that when the Greeks and the Romans heard this claim, they were shocked. The word became flesh, lived among us. We've seen his glory not just the Greeks and the Romans, traditional religious people like us today. We often believe that matter is bad and somehow the immaterial and the ethereal is good. And we would say that it's hard to believe that the divine, the God, would come down to this obscene world. And so what traditional religion says is that salvation is all about escaping from this world into heaven. But a materialistic Christmas says that salvation is heaven coming into the world. Traditional religion says that the world is bad. Let's, let's get away 
Let's get away from all the sickness. Let's get away from all the troubles of the world. Let's get away from poverty. But a materialistic Christmas celebrates God coming into this world to lift us up. And so I say to you this morning that the body is important. Matter is important. The world is important. And we know that because Jesus took on physical nature. And that's one of the reasons why we share our faith in word and deed. If you're new to First Prayers, that's one of the things you're going to notice about our church. We want to share the faith, our faith in word, but also in tangible, felt ways indeed. We don't just say to a person, I hope you, you stay warm. We want to do something about that person not being able to stay warm. That's part of what it means to testify to the materiality of Christmas. We say that the kingdom of God is here to restore this world, not to take us out of the world and put us on clouds where we're strumming harps till a million years into the future. No, we don't believe in that kind of immateriality. Traditional religion wants out, but a materialistic Christmas sees God bringing new heaven and a new earth. That's the teaching of Christmas. God didn't give up on us. God didn't give up on the world, but God came, became one of us to save us. But what's the purpose? What's the purpose of Christmas? Well, I think if you read our text again this morning, you will discover that it's all about people. I love John 1 and verse 4. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. I love first prayers. And when I stand here and look at our church, I see all kinds of people here. Jesus came into the world for all people, people like us. What's the purpose of Christmas? Well, it's very materialistic. People matter. Notice what John says, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And I mean the physical world. As you heard, as a baby, he didn't even have the strength to lift his head up, couldn't feed himself. Others had to care for him. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. And here's the sad thing. The world didn't know him. He came to what was his own. His own people did not accept him, but to all who received him. It's all about people, all who received him, who believed in his name, the shepherds and the magi and Mary and Joseph and all who believed him. He gave the power to become children of God. It's all about people. That's the purpose of Christmas, Christmas. And that's one of the reasons why at Christmas time, many of us, we want to bring people together. Where are you spending Christmas? Oh, I don't have anywhere to go. Well, you got to come to my house. It's all about bringing people together. That's the message of Christmas. Hope for a humanity that is so splintered. The hope of pardon, the hope of peace with God, the hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Christ, born in a stable, lived among us, and died on a cross to save us. 
And so here's the point. If Jesus Christ is actually God come in the flesh, then here's a beautiful thing. You are going to know much more about God. That's the physicality of Christmas. Because God is not this distant being that is unapproachable, that is unknown, that is inaccessible. The fact that God has come to us makes it clear that God is accessible, God is graspable. God is somebody that you and I can relate to. When you look at Jesus, you're looking in the face of God. When you see him weep, when you see him upset, when you see him tired, when you see him cast down, when you see him rejoicing and hugging children, you're looking at God who is accessible, graspable, and relevant to all of our circumstances. If Jesus is who he says he is, if those four biographies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are true, then we have an opportunity to know Jesus, to know God, not as a philosophy, not as concepts, but as a person. And I say that because when you look at what God has done to get you to know him personally, if the Son would come all this way to become a real person to you, don't you think that the Holy Spirit will do everything and anything in his power to make Jesus a real person to you in your heart? And so at the heart of Christmas is an invitation to enter a relationship. Christmas is an invitation to know Jesus personally. Christmas is an invitation by God to say, look at what I've done for you. Come now, come, come draw near to me. I'm not a philosophy. I'm not a concept. I'm not a name on a page. I want to be your friend. I want you to know me. I want you to walk. I want you to know the fullness of grace and truth. And all of this is possible because Christmas is very physical, very material. And we see that clearly in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So my prayer for all of us as a congregation, as a people, is that we would enter into this relationship. Invite Jesus into your home. Invite Jesus into the places where you go to school. Invite Jesus into the places where you party. Invite Jesus into the warp and the woof of your life. Not just as a presence, but as a real person. And allow him then to walk with you, to talk with you, and to show us how to live. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.